Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is August the 25th, and our chapter for today is John chapter 15. Jesus and his disciples, at the close of chapter 14, after a long discussion about the Holy Spirit, about the Father, about the Lord Jesus and him not leaving the disciples alone without the Holy Spirit coming. He now comes to the end of his teaching after the meal, the Passover meal. And now the scripture says in verse 31 of chapter 14, but that the world may know that I love the father and as the father gave me commandment, so I do. Jesus reminded them that he was doing the will of the father all the way through from the beginning to the end, that he was walking in obedience Not that he just knew everything, because you can know everything and still not walk in obedience, but that he did what the Father wanted him to do. And then he said in the last phrase, arise, let us go from here. Now, Jesus would have had the Passover meal in what's called the Western Hill Community. You see, the city of Jerusalem is surrounded by hills. Mount Moriah, which is the plateau above Mount Zion, the city of Jerusalem in the days of David and following, is surrounded by three valleys. To the south is the Hinnom Valley, that is Gai ben Hinnom, the Valley of the Sons of Hinnom, called in the New Testament Gehenna. Then you have the Eastern Valley, which is called the Kidron, but it's also called the Valley of Jehoshaphat, the place where God judges. And that's the place where Jesus will judge world leadership after the days of the Great Tribulation. But then there is a central valley called the Cheesemakers Valley or the Tyropian Valley. It is that valley which separates the mount called Moriah, Moriah, the place where the temple stood, and the great western hill that rises above Mount Moriah. It is in that upper section of the western hill that was a place of great wealth and status, and that would have been the area where Jesus and his disciples would have, in a beautiful room, had the last Passover together before his death. In John chapter 14 and verse 31, when he says, arise and let us go from here, they would have left there on their way to Gethsemane and passed through the temple district. That was just the closest route to go across that eastern valley to the foot of the Mount of Olives. And there was a olive press and that was called Getchmonia, the place of the olive press. And that is where Jesus entered into his agony before the Father. And the Bible says he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Now, this was going on while his disciples were sleeping, but we'll get to that. 
As they made their way from the Western Hill down to the Kidron Valley and the Garden of Gethsemaneah, they passed by that temple district. And what you might not have read in the history books or in Josephus or of another account that you might have read out of a Bible encyclopedia is that the temple that Herod was making so ornate had on the sides of it clusters of vines and grapes. One historian said that they were lifelike. That is, they were huge. They had sinewy vines and then sinewy branches, and that the clusters of grapes would have been equal to 15 feet in length, hanging from the temple sides. And so these were very prominent features, the vines, the branches, the grapes, the clusters. There is no doubt as Jesus walked by, he wanted to use that living illustration, that visual illustration that they had before them to bring out a spiritual truth that the disciples would need in the days ahead. And so no doubt, as they walked through that temple district, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. He's the one that takes care of everything. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. He said, you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken unto you. Now, let me say parenthetically that here again, as in other places in the Bible, the word of God is looked upon as a cleansing agent. The words of Jesus, the words of the Bible, remember the only Bible that they had during this time was what the Jews call the Tanakh, the law, the prophets and the writings, what we call the Old Testament. And so Jesus said, this word will cleanse you. It's not only like a mirror that shows us exactly who we are deep down in our soul. It is no respecter of persons. It's a clear mirror in that it reflects the same with everyone and shows us who we are. But it in itself, much more than a mirror, is able to reach into our very innermost being and cleanse us. And so Jesus said, you're clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. And then he said, remain in me, abide in me. What does that mean? That means live in the word. That means live in him. Now, in Christ is a phrase the Apostle Paul picked up on, and you will enjoy going through the podcast and the readings of the book of Ephesians when we get there. But just uh, trust me in saying when he says abide in me, he is talking about that position that he gave us, yes, but also the experience of walking in the word, walking with him, walking in him. And he said a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. You just think about this. If you go and buy grapes at the store, they're not hooked onto the vine. They're just there on the branches that hold them on. But it is just a short matter of time until they begin to die. Why? Because they're just branches and they're not connected to a vine. It's in the vine where the life comes from. And so this is what Jesus is saying. He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Verse five, he who 
abides in me, remains in me, lives in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That's pretty simple. Without me, you can do nothing. And he's talking about in the spiritual realm in particular. That is, we cannot do the Lord's work in our own flesh. The Lord's work has to be done the Lord's way, and that is through abiding in him. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. Now, this doesn't mean that if someone doesn't bear fruit, they're going to hell. They're going to be cut off and go to hell. No, he's talking about the fire of trials and the process that one goes through if they do not follow the Lord in walking with him because there is a sense of drying up, of withering. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you desire and it shall be done unto you. Now, how can Jesus say that? He can say that because if you're walking in him, you are wanting his will, his desire, because his life is what is giving life to you. It's not your life. It's his life. That grape doesn't produce itself. It is produced by abiding in the vine that has the life-giving elements in it. Jesus said, by this, my father is lifted up, glorified, honored that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I want to just say two or three things about this. First of all, fruit bearing is a process. Now, I know, and as I say that, I go against the grain of what many are hearing in the West today and in America, especially on American Christian radio and TV and popular books. You see, if we're going to be in Christ, yes, we are placed in him by the Holy Spirit. We abide in him, yes, positionally. But if we're going to bear fruit, that's a process. It doesn't happen instantly. Anything that has to do with agriculture is a process. Any farm person will tell you that. There is a season of plowing and getting the soil ready. There is a process of planting seed. There is a process of fertilization. There's a process of weeding. There's a process of watering. And then there is a season that passes, and it's different lengths of time for different kinds of crops. But the reality is you don't just go out and throw seed in the ground and have instant fruit. It is time-consuming. It is a process. But in the West, we want everything yesterday. We want it to be immediate. And so we get so frustrated when we do something and, quote, it doesn't work. It doesn't produce a large crop. As a matter of fact, some pastors, they live their life and judge whether they have preached the word and whether, quote, God was with us or not as to how many people come and kneel and pray at the front of a church. Well, I can just tell you that's not God's measurement. God wants to see process. God wants to see a life that is abiding in him. God wants to see works that show repentance, not just talking about it, not just having an experience. God wants to see fruit, and that takes time. 
But we think that if we can just go, quote, to the altar, or we can go to the front, we can just go pray a prayer, get on our knees, get back up, that everything's changed. No, it doesn't. That may be the beginning of the process. It may be another step along the way. But the reality is fruit bearing takes time. And we just don't like that. We're just so impatient. But over and over again in the scriptures, there is not this instantaneous maturity. That's oxymoronic. It is a process. Maturity in any realm is a process. Fruit bearing is a process. Growing a crop is a process. And what Jesus is saying here, that if you're going to be what he has created you, called you, saved you to be, then ultimately, if you're going to bear fruit, it's going to take a process of abiding in him. It's going to be a trial and error. It's going to be pruning. It's going to be cleansing. It's going to be weeding all of these things because the goal is for you to bear fruit. And what is fruit? Well, people say, well, I believe the fruit of one disciple is another disciple. Well, that's one kind of fruit. But the Bible also teaches another kind of fruit in the spiritual realm. It's found in the book of Galatians, chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness. There's no law that can produce that. There's no law against that. This is something that has to happen from within. And so if we're going to remember what the goal of the Christian life is, the goal of the Christian life is not to be a soul winner. The goal of the Christian life is not to be faithful to the church. The goal of the, all of those things are, yes, ancillary factors. But let me tell you, the goal of the Christian life is to be like Jesus, to talk like him, to walk like him, to live our lives like him, to love like he did, to have joy like he did, a joy that the world cannot take away, to have peace in the midst of storm. And he goes on to say in this very chapter that he can give joy, he can give contentment that the world cannot give. And will the world hate us and persecute us? Yes. He said that a servant is no greater than his master. That's verse 20. If they persecuted Jesus, they will persecute us. But if they kept his word, they will keep ours also. And over and over again, Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for what's coming. Gethsemane is right in front of them. The trial is right in front of them. The cross is right in front of them. Death is right in front of them. And each one of them was going to die their own way in giving testimony that they were abiding in Christ. It's a fascinating chapter. Read it all the way through. And then I encourage you to read it again as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.